Am I loud and clear? Hey guys, this is the Finsider podcast. Um, you're joined by Shay and your co-host Carlos. And we're with a very special guest right now. Um, I've been speaking to him and he's managed to come on, on a podcast. And it's our honour to introduce Welcome Trayvon. Trayvon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome to welcome to the podcast. Okay, cool. So um we have one question we always ask all our guests, our previous guests we've asked. And that question is, what are you watching right now on Netflix? Whether it be films or series, uh, what are you watching right now? And yeah, oh tell us a bit God. about it. Uh, it's called The Last Kingdom. So it's more of a yeah, last... ma- oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. My guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, more of a, um, medieval kind of thing. Um Vikings, okay, okay, stuff like that, and it's, it's really interesting though. It's the plot line is very, Ooh. very com- gets complex at times. So, it's, I, it's, I can't like, I can't like, it's all in the plot though, because <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna exactly. lie, that like, the, the, the acting and the, and, and, the, and the scenes and the and what's it called, like, I feel like the budget wasn't really there, T yeah, but but, <laughs> but the plot <laughs> is, is the one, man, it's the one that kept me going, but yeah, no, it's like, all right, bro, th- thumbs up over here, bro, thumbs up, thumbs up. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna leave you to you two with that because I don't watch really the medieval stuff like no, that I game of thrones. I can't do that. Different, I think... different. Different. Yeah. Is it is it different? Okay, cool. Because you said that. Because you said that. And because the way Carlos reacted, yeah. I might have to. I might have to. I might have to give it give it a go. Okay, that's that's it. Okay, hey, we'll so you have to close your eyes for a few scenes though. But um, okay, cool. That's 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 amazing. Okay, um, guys, just to introduce Trayvon a bit. Um, Trayvon's had um, spring internships um, and some experiences at Barclays, JP Morgan, and RBC. You know, and he's an incoming summer at Barclays. And yeah, so there's there's a lot, there's a lot, and I'm sure there's there's a lot that I've missed out, but there's a lot that is got going for Trayvon. Um, he's been doing a lot, and he's doing really well. And he's only in second year, going to third year, like like Carlos and I. So yeah, guys, yeah, <laughs> this, this guy's really doing it big, and Trayvon's that guy. Yeah, so we're really ha- happy to have him here. And um, as you'll see from this from this podcast, there's a lot of nuggets and gems that Trayvon has that he's going to drop for us, hopefully. So yeah, um, without further ado, let's get started, Carlos. Okay, cool. So Trayvon, just tell us like a little bit about yourself briefly, like what you need to go to, what course you study, and like, and especially what's been your kind of main reasoning for getting into finance or, or fuel your ambition for it uh well so i study economics at warwick um in terms of what fueled my interest for finance i think i always enjoyed um, companies from when i was uh, a kid uh, i used to watch um yeah there was this new york show on cbbc where you could go on a business anywhere uh, kids set up businesses um there's dragon's den so i've always had an affinity yeah but yeah I yeah knew what to do with that and luckily, I was given um, mm-hmm. it was like a social mobility scheme in my last year uni, and they allowed me to do some work experience at a hedge fund. And when I came across the equity trading, then I realised I fit in perfectly. So, and that's why I'm a big fan of some compared to trading. So I realised mm-hmm. equity trading is where mm-hmm. I see benefit. So I can fulfil like I'm very ambitious. Thus, I can enjoy what I do with equity. So it it definitely gave me a holistic perspective on on um, where I want to go forward. Everybody talks about investment banking. No, I don't think but when you consume nobody properly knows the different nah. divisions. Like, oh, exactly. exactly they see the exactly. money. That's that's what they see. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
everyone, like, li- li- literally, literally, I can't even lie. I throw my hands up as well. Like, when I first was school, went to the comment of finance, I was like, investment banking, MA, 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 I don't want to hear anything else. But then when you actually start speaking to people um, that do MA, they're like, okay, cool. Like, some of them do enjoy their job, to be honest. Um, but they're like, okay, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot of hours to this. And to be fair, in every kind of profession, in the early years, there's a lot of hours to everything, if we're being honest. That's life yeah. and that's how it is. But, um, I feel as if people need to open their horizons and open their minds to there's a lot of offer um other other roles, such as there's there's obviously like you said, trading, there's sales, there's investment, there's research, equity research. There's also a lot of um roles that are compatible for a lot of people's skills, such as in the middle office at operations and in the back office as well. So it's not just um MA, 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 or maybe the front office, if you get what I'm saying. There's there's an array of different roles out there for a lot of different kind yeah, of people. That's true. I feel I feel like for that for that um, environment, I feel like passion is definitely the main driver. Like you only want to sustain that lifestyle if it's just because you love to, you know, wake up every day. You have that passion to get to work and do your job. But apart from that, the money you want to sustain. And and I, I feel like I feel like a lot of people should kind of stress the fact that they need to kind of before they like decide to 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 invest a large kind of proportion of their life or time into into IB or sorry investment banking I feel like they should kind of at least try and kind of simulate what it would like kind of like studying looking a bit further into it seeing what they do and actually like speaking to others that have lived their lifestyle and in that way they can get their realisms of, of not just the oh yeah the money is nice and etc but yeah the rest but yeah so anyway um 100%. moving on a bit so were there any any springs or applications that that you made that you felt weren't successful, and why do you think this was? And like, how did you come to find out what worked and what didn't in in these springs or other applications? Okay. Good question. So with me, I'm not even gonna lie to you. With me, I was terrible at the maths test. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm good at I'm good at I'm good at um maths, but when it comes to the test. It's very, yeah. it's, yes. it's hard. Very on your feet, yes. mental maths. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So one thing that's funny though, they use the same um, supply on some of them. So once I'd done like two, I didn't know what I was doing, but once I got the structure, obviously the answers and questions were different. But because I knew the format, then I've got the RBC, but the previous one's maths test. Yeah. It was, it was yes. horrible. Like horrible. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing, I'm not even going to lie to you, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people would get their friends to do it, innit? Because there's certain people who are really mm. good, but I was just like, you know what, let me just do the thing properly and see what I get with it. And mm. obviously, mm. I'm not even going to lie to you, every spring week that didn't have a maths test, I got an offer from. If you don't pass the test, you don't even go through. So I knew that's what was holding me up. But a lot of them have scrapped it anyway because they realise that it holds back a lot of people. Yeah, people definitely. Help each other. Yeah. But then in, in that case, then Trey, um, yeah. so once you'd gone past the, the sorry, the maths and the other what are they called yeah. like a, um, SJT situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and the rest of the psychometrics. Like, how did you? What did you? That what did you think you done properly then in the follow ups to actually like 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 why do you think it went so well for you basically? Uh, Good question. So um, I think everybody goes online, how to write a cover letter, how to write a CV. But the problem is with that information accessible to everybody, everyone's got the same format, everyone's got the same view, everyone's mm. got the same cover letter. So when, like, let's say yeah. this person's not just reading yours, she's just read like hundreds and hundreds or even thousands of other CVs. And with yours being the same, 
it's it's well, imagine yourself reading it, it would be a bit lethargic and a bit boring uh, so I always look to how I can differentiate myself so one way I do it is it's stuff like let's say in the cover letter you write um, I want to join the this trading floor because it's growing um, and people will use very broad terms like that instead I'd go into the annual reports or the quarterly and I'm not going to I cherry pick yeah. a, a number so let's say the equity floors like increased their um, revenues by 16% I'd say I want to join the floor. Mm. It's a growing um, trading that's shown by the 16% growth year on year. So not only have you shown that you mm. can research, but you've also shown you've got an investment yes. in the company. So it's about using the available resources that others haven't taken and used. And then that way you can differentiate yourself. Did you do this many for the cover layers and also for like the interviews or like the online interviews as well as the in-person interviews as well or ACs, assessment centers? With the interviews, I will say that wasn't as much so with interviews at companies people I, I tell everybody you ask like trading and buy investment banking is very long hours so if you're going to work with somebody you you, you got to have a certain affinity with them right and uh, mm. everyone like an old friend who did Barclays and she knew she never got it because she, her and the interviewer just never clicked mm. she she was like she wasn't like not prepared she wasn't well occupied but she could tell from the get-go that every interview i go in i hope and i aim to make a connection because yeah everybody yeah um there's a lot of people who go to top unions there's a lot of people who get first but it's all about having a, a, an affinity with your interviewer so mm. everyone's got common ground mm. and some interviewers take a technical route some interviewers don't take a technical route that's one thing that you must secure. You must secure some some form of relationship with your interview. That's that, that's that's very very true because, like for example, even in even in some of the some of the interviews that I was successful in, and some of them that I weren't, I, I noticed that the ones that were successful were I was I was talking less about exactly. the actual role or whatever, and more about you know exactly, football yeah. or what was going on on the TV yeah, last night or whatever. So we talked about football. Barclays talked about football. I met um, like every. Yeah, exactly. It's perfectly like you said. There's always this. Um, exactly. I feel like it makes it makes a lot of sense because I feel like they they are ideally looking for someone that has like a combination of both the social group but also like the kind of the intuition as well. Because of course they they're gonna they're going to be mm. working. They're offering you this job role, and you might be there for five, ten, or more years. Mm. So they will be working with you, and so in a way they need to like have that connection with you so that you guys and of course like teamwork and whatnot helps like the dream work essentially so exactly exactly just 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 also called a quick like um okay. follow-up question to that just quickly um for springs that that you did get um were there any that you, you couldn't convert into summer and if so why do you think that was uh, so rbc didn't convert they did ask me to fast track to an interview jp morgan yeah converting as well but they did fast track me to an ac okay. uh but barclays okay. gave me an offer on the final day of jp so okay. i just took that I'm not gonna lie. When I saw that, okay. um, because it, it's it's a sizable sum that you get paid, so it's very in yeah. There's a big incentive to take the offer because I wasn't gonna turn down that. To be honest. Okay, okay, okay. So let me just um, spin on his head mm. with that question. Then, why do you think? you got converted to the summer. I know you said about, um, you know, having an affinity with your, with your work and with your workers and whatnot, but was there anything else that you got converted and that any, anyone you noticed that didn't get converted that you think you did, if you get, if you get that kind of question? At such an early stage, I think me and multiple people, um, 
when you're in your first year of uni, you, you try to learn all the FT and such forth, and all these all these different articles, and mm. um, go up to these professionals and say, oh, did you hear about this? Try to be impressive and all that. But I feel what mm. really worked was just showing you've got a hardworking ethic. It's all about your ethic. They, they can teach you all mm. the technical skills. These banks got thousands of pounds to teach you the technical skills. They need someone that's willing to be mm. with it, and they can see they can mm-hmm. see your future success. So, um, to show them that you're willing to work hard, that you that you that you're willing to uh, listen and take opportunities. Listening is more important than talking. Because I've seen at sessions where some person is just trying to go over and over and just boring the boring um, the the network person from the bank or the interviewer. So just yeah. just be mindful. You've got to have a sense of emotional intelligence for guys just come off the trading floor for six hours, then maybe don't just labour him with lots and lots of stuff. <laughs> like, like, I was speaking to the, um, the, the, only, the only network person, then when he was doing network at, he worked at um, Nomura. The only person he's ever remembered is a kid who, uh, like he must have come from the trading floor and he went and got him a, um, a glass of coke and brought it to him because he could see he was tired. And he said, yeah. we'll all remember that that one yeah. person. So it's the little things big, better than the bigger things. It makes a lot of sense. Like you said, these people are, as as, as much as they're trying to, you know, um, speak to you and impart knowledge in you when, you, when you're at these spring and sets or summers, they're, they're working as well. And they're going to be tired, you know, like our parents when they come yeah, back exactly. from home. Yeah. They're going to be tired, you know, you know what I'm saying? So so what you said about that guy giving a Coke to, 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 the, to the trader makes a lot of sense. And to be honest, that will give the trader the sentiment to, to be like, you know what? Yeah, I kind of like this person. He's thoughtful. Yeah. He's considerate. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Wow. Wow. I didn't even look at that. That, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. That's great. Okay, cool. So moving on then, based on our previous interaction on LinkedIn, um, I noticed that you're well-versed, you know, in the markets for such a young age as well. And I want to ask, you know, for our viewers, um, how did you go about reading the news and analysing it? You know, because I've seen some of the the, the posts you've, you've, you've posted and, it's it's really concise, but it's so it's so yeah. comprehensive and it's so deep as well. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So, um, do you have a specific routine or anything particular you look for, and why? Um, so I'd say it's all about consistency with anything you do. Okay. So people will say it's complex, and like at the beginning, I did not understand a lot of stuff myself. It's all about so everyone would tell you read the FT and read um, all these different news journals, Gemini's, and in part yeah. they are right because what you want to do is put the terminology in the lingua because without that you can't go into the complex okay. stuff. Now, what's important once you consistently read in the FT, read in these news journals, is then to network within the industry. Ask them. So I had. Um, okay. So this is what I'm saying. So when I had the spring for RBC, I may not have gone back, but there was a lady that I, I created a really close relationship with, and I'd ask her what's happening uh, within the company because there's nothing like fresh news because everybody gets the whole um, the whole newspaper and such forth but if somebody's on a trading list now and they're, they're actively engaged in the markets they can give you a perspective that the average person doesn't even mm. know yet so it's all about using um, your network so building the network from very early okay. um, but like I said books as well Market Wizards that is an amazing book for anybody interested invested in Market Wizards yeah I've seen that one but I haven't read it but yeah sorry it's a very good book. They gave me a, um, a hedge fund and I didn't really read it. But then when I was looking to get into um, equities properly, I read it and it just changed my whole perspective. So it's all about using network, watching Bloomberg on YouTube. So they have five minute clips. And that's where I think that's where the transition took me from, like just an average person to somebody who was well versed. Bloomberg, 
um, yeah, have yeah. short little clips and they're quite enjoyable. It's some interesting topics, some famous people on there as well. Um, so it's very important that you mm. start to pick up the, the extensive vocabulary that they use and transition mm. it into your dialect. Mm. I was, I was, I was reading one of your posts another day about, about the writing, about, you know, and how, um, you know, the more damage is going to affect, so there's going to be more, you know, um, of these, of these industries, correct me if I'm wrong, more of these industries, um, that, you know, that, that give glass and whatnot, their, their stocks will go down or something like that. I was reading it. Um, and, and it's really interesting how you make the links, how you make the links between one event, how it links to another event, how it links to another event. And I don't know if you've read Last Poker, but I was, um, I was, I was, I was reading Last Poker and, the author was saying about one guy that he was working with that that's what separated him from a lot of the other traders about how we can make links from the completely like what people from the outside would think most random things. He can make links and link it, link it, link it, link it and just form a trade idea from that. So yeah, like keep doing yeah. your deal, bro. If, um, lead, leading 100%. on from what you're um, referring to, Lauren. So you dropped a few books and resources. Are there any more that you would say that are key and, and why and um, what they would help with? Uh, I'd say... As a pure beginner, um, I think everyone kind of reads Intelligent Investors, um, which is a, a big book in just the public domain. Mm. Uh, it just goes through the basics of investing. In terms of mm. resources, YouTube is your biggest asset. Um, mm. YouTube has so much information. And I know friends who have, um, there's this guy called Crown Crypto, and he's used to be a New York stock exchange trader, and he does um lives every day on a uh, bitcoin so just technical analysis on bitcoin which technical analysis can be transferred to my stocks to um to bonds whatever whatever's got a graph you can use technical analysis so youtube is your biggest um ally because he's currently profitable and he's really good at trading bitcoin and he's learned that all off um, um youtube all right so it's it's very it's, it, there's so many resources you've got to find what works for you because what was working for other people yeah it wasn't really connected with me so i had to do some deep research but trust me it might it may take you a lot of time to find what's good for you but when you find it then your skills will they'll, they'll transform essentially do you feel that is you know um do you feel that it helps a lot to actually start trading on your own account, for example, trading on on account, you know, and having that experience that you're taking from the YouTube videos, taking from taking from the books, and actually putting it to practice. Uh, okay, so I'd say I traded virtually for a long time, right? And admittedly, at the start, it was not good because you, it's all about having a, a process. So you need to have a logical chain of thinking, okay. even when creating ideas. Um, okay. I, admittedly, like sometimes I'll just create ideas spontaneously, like. Uh, I might be driving and uh, I see something and then I think about it, come home, research it. Um, <laughs> yeah. In terms of trading, there's much more to um, having a trade idea. Like I need to create a watch list, when to go win, risk management, position sizing, mm. uh, stop loss. So it's, it's very difficult to gauge that aspect of the industry. Because um, normally even hedge fund traders, mm. they don't do that. It's normally like, pure traders in the hedge fund who, who will put on a trade for them. So I'd be very weary um, about that aspect. How I learned that is through spring weeks, through um, some internships, through um, other work placements. So I'd definitely say start virtually. And then when, you, when you're when yeah. doing well consistently, it's all about consistency. Mm. Because you, could, you could do really well on a stock because you've caught it, but that doesn't mean that long-term you're, you're ready to enter the market. So it's all about consistency. 
Yeah. And especially in a bull run, they're the smartest guy out there just because the whole stock market is like in general just trending upwards. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's much more than that. It's when you, like, the mindset as well, when you go through, like, a bad period, like, how you react to the, the, the context and the situation that you're in. So, yeah, definitely. And and there is, um peop- so, I know there's uh, a man called Debedon, and he used to work uh, at Barclays, Goldman, and Hedgefund, and he has a group called Stock Pickers, and he's used these skills, um, it's a large telegram group that anyone can join and you don't even need to invest your own money but you'll talk about the markets in real time about opportunities and then as you go along people like him you can learn from him you can learn his skills so, yeah. so it's very interesting um, and very valuable what he does so that's stuck because all day um Devin and he's really good at what he does and he's got the experience there's nothing like industry experience also Seeing as you know, um, from your LinkedIn, I just want to speak to you, Trayvon, that you're highly interested in the stocks, um, you know, and whatnot. Okay, so if you had a son and daughter who didn't know much about finance but had an interview lined up, you know, in global markets, how would you advise them to prep for it and what would you stress? Okay, so I'll tell them in the interview, you don't have much time. So it's all about quality rather than quantity. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about things that people haven't Mm -hmm. talked about. So the big topics at the moment is coronavirus, obviously. But if you are going to speak about coronavirus, speak mm-hmm. about the, the the long-term implications. Everybody kind of knows what's happening now, the isolation and lockdown. But it's very important to know the government, especially in the UK, spent a lot of money and that has to get paid back somehow. So it's 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 interesting to look into what kind of um, budgets will will next year will next year tell. So will it well would expect a large reduction in the budget? How will that affect certain industries? How would that affect consumer spending? Um, so it's very important to look long term, but also a big thing at the moment is um, data centers and semiconductors. So semiconductors are like chips, so that mm. you have in your phone. So the big story you might even see it on Snapchat. Uh, Apple have been promoting their new A13 chip in their Apple iPhones. They've just created a new chip. Like chips are really hard to create. It's about a billion yeah. dollar startup cost. Yeah, just the talent is really hard. Apple really coming from the world, man. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So there's some mm. <laughs> yeah, honestly yeah. called Moore's Law where every year they can half the size of a chip while keeping the same amount of data. So let's say we started off a company, by the time we created the chip, it's already half the size. So that's why it's such a hard industry to wow. get into. And that's why NVIDIA um, is yeah. surging. Uh, AMD is surging. And then on top mm. of that, we're all using more data, mm-hmm. podcasts, um, TVs, tablets, so there's this need for data centers to store this data, and because of that, a lot of these, yeah. um, a lot of these new facilities, they're being turned into data centers. So it's becoming very profitable. The data industry is something that I'd encourage a lot of people to look into. It sounds very complex, but but once you read the basics, just type in YouTube data center, it will show you through it. Type in YouTube semiconductor, it will show you through it. It's very simple but very interesting. Yeah, definitely. And Jaron, sorry, a, a quick mm, question. I'm not too yeah, yeah. informed about um, the industry. I did at one point see NVIDIA and um, I think uh, not too long after Corona, the, the lockdown and stuff, um, COVID-19, sorry. And and it was really taken off and I was quite surprised. And then I just did like a, a little bit of uh, like looking into it just to see what the company was about. But what's the what's the difference between uh, like cloud computing? And um, so... Of course, like they, I guess they're both ways to store 
data, right? And through chips and through cloud computing. But I guess the chips they're they're more so for like um hardware, right? It's like laptops and yeah. consoles and cloud computers just like just solely just saving data. Exactly. So chips is what would be inside the device. So it's a physical format. Um, the cloud is where a collection of information is uh, is grouped together. Mm. Cloud computing, obviously, like you said, is taken off as well. But I yeah. Think, so like when I was looking through the video, and this is uh, something I'd promote to the listeners, uh, I went through its revenue streams, and its biggest two revenue streams at the moment was gaming and um, just general mm. hardware. Ooh. Now, what's even more interesting is mm. it surged because data centers increased and they need chips, and this increase in data centers is yes. nowhere near complete in terms of the average price. So people are selling land now and everybody wants to build data centers. In Singapore, it's a big thing. And even in like local places in England, we're going to start seeing them because a lot of these devices, semiconductors that we have um, in them, the data that they're storing is just too much for it. So they run off the actual device and they'll need to be stored in data centers directly. So we'll see a lot of, um, some people are thinking about high street mm. stores turning into data centers as the high street becomes, um, while well, we've seen with Primark, Boohoo's literally just shown people what will happen in the future. Because Primark's failed to innovate. So these high mm-hmm. street stores who have failed to move online or don't create a USP that makes people want to come out of their houses to them, they'll either be turned into real estate, which is very profitable. A lot of people want to live in the city centers or these data centers. So things must change in order to uh, meet the needs of a changing generation. Sorry, like I was saying with NVIDIA, so gaming and, um, and hardware was the two biggest, but the smallest are um, autonomous vehicles, which is very interesting because we know electric vehicles are going to be a big thing in the future, either through like just us, oh, us changing our views on like vehicles or government legislation. Like in Birmingham, we can't drive vehicles from next year mm. unless it's electrical through town centre. So mm-hmm. government legislation is one of the most what? Really? legislation is the most heavy type of change because you can't really fight against it unless it's black market. So yeah, when your smallest when your smallest revenue avenue is about to be changed by the government, then it shows that the, the company is set for a big growth. So the video by no means is at its uh, top end. It's all its revenue streams are primed for, for growth. So that's why data centers and chips is something I'm really interested in as a long term investment. And touching on that, sorry, there's another question I want to ask, but before that, I just wanted to well, um, ask your, your opinion on, on one thing you touched on up, upon about, you said about real estate. Um, I, I was reading, you know, um, you know, MPC, which owns a lot of franchises for Pizza and Wendy's, um, you know, they're, they're filing for bankruptcy. And there's been, what's it called, you know, with coronavirus, how there's, you know, not a lot of demand, so people are not really going into, into shops yeah. or whatnot. So a lot of um, firms and companies are missing. I'm missing out on you know rent payments to what's it called the real estate leaders and whatever. So how do you feel like the future of you know commercial real estate is going to be? Since a lot of, for example, like like restaurants, a lot of them are moving to going to delivery as opposed to dining and whatnot because, like you said, the needs of humans are changing. So how do you feel like the commercial real estate um, sector is kind of look is kind of going to look in the future? I know that's quite open ended, but I just wanted to know you know your oh, views. Question. I was speaking to people about this as well. These companies that survive on the high street, in terms of high street real estate, will be those that adapt. So mm-hmm. you need to create an experience now. You can't just sell a good. So when I say create an experience, um, people like mm. Ikea, who people just go to Ikea just to walk around. Like, they get that. There's that There's that unique factor you get from Ikea walking around, seeing yeah. all the beds, seeing all the, the furniture. Yes. Um, 
Waterstones is starting to adapt. 100%. The layout of the chairs, the cheap coffee. Um, so you can create an experience from it. Those companies ah. can adapt. Like Primark is cheap goods. It doesn't have the... Its image and its whole branding wouldn't be experience type. Whereas luxury brands like your Zara's, you want to go in, oh, hi, sir. Um, what can I, what are you trying to find today? That you can create a unique experience in certain these luxury yes. stores and Waterstones, your IKEA's. Very true, very so true. It it shows who can survive is who can adapt, and that's just uh, a matter of evolution, as we know. Um, but in terms of real estate, I think commercial real estate will be well. We need more houses essentially, and with these companies that being profitable as they once were because of uh, this online boom. Um, there'll be a lot of opportunities for these high streets, which are desirable locations to live, especially from the younger populace. Um, I can see opportunities for them to be um, turned into flats. I've, that's happened in Birmingham at the moment. They've created, it used to be um, um, an office building, but they created it into new flats. So I've already seen the, the beginnings of such things. Okay, it's cool. So with that then, um, we wanted to ask you for a stock pitch, you know, and also break it down into what you kind of look for, like the steps you kind of take into answering this kind of question, you know, for an interview and whatnot for our users and listeners. Okay, uh, so actually, I'll give you something I'm working on at the moment. So I was okay during the quarantine. You could do an hours walk, right? And I was doing a walk, uh, just yeah, just um, just around uh, my local area, and there's a um, flower shop like a gardening centre and it just opened up because the government just allowed these restrictions and I was looking, I always look top down so obviously top is coronavirus quarantine and looking at trends that kind of brought me to uh, people are stuck in the house so uptick in gardening right um, so that's the first jump I made so it should be an increase in gardening whether it be garden centres, garden products and such forth so then this is the problem you have to find something publicly listed to, to match that demand with. So the thing that I could find, the one that only mm. I could find was Scott's Miracle Grow. I don't know if you heard of Miracle Grow. They um do like garden fertilizer. Mm. As a, uh, so they sold out a, a, a lot of the products and they were selling 50 to 70 bags a day of their super growth, which is the big ah. bags of like compost. Um, and this was within two days of opening. Um, and he said that he would soon sell out all of his products. And I kind of gauge that a lot of people were getting the gardening stuff for their older relatives because they have to quarantine for longer and because yeah. they're more vulnerable. Um, okay. And it kind of suggested that the demand surge would continue. And one way I do look for um, demand is you can use Google Trends, which is a free um, tool in which you can type in a word and it will tell you how many times it's been searched mm. on uh, Google. So, and obviously from that, Miracle Grow surged a lot, which kind of backed up the the, the question I had whether this demand was beyond just this garden center specifically and then so uh I went on um I went on YouTube and Scott's Miracle Grow like a company might they showed how to um, plant using their soil showed how to um, like grow vegetables and such like that and like there's only one way to really like plant a vegetable so these videos were like four years old right and when I went through the comments a lot of the comments were like four years old, three years old because the videos are so old. But then I realized a lot of these comments were like a day old, 
a week old or a few days old it kind of showed that the surge of demand yeah. wow so that so that wow. was very interesting because people were trying to learn how to use their products so it showed wow. not only did they have existing users they were having new users who were coming to use it so that kind wow. of that that really pushed my demand so then then it was all about looking at the price so it moved up but it quickly pulled back the past two weeks uh, and it's looking very good okay 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 um but in, sorry in, in in regards to that how 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 much kind of longevity or sustainability do you see in in this trend going forward then i think it will be um i think once the virus dies down and people come out the trend will definitely die down there's more of a short-term trade okay, okay. um but there's other trades i've lined up for the future in response to that which is a uh, which is what I'm working on now, to be honest. Okay. Okay. And and do you have different like trading criteria? Like, do you do you trade on different time scales? So like, do, are, are there some stocks that you kind of hold for a short period of time, and then like some others that you know that these are for a bit longer? They're more growth. Well, you know what? That's that's the thing because because I've got a limited amount of money. That's really hard to gauge. So like, um, Nvidia, I sold out really early. And now they've gone up like 80 quid. Uh, I saw that as DocuSign. Now they're up 50 quid. So you can make profit, but knowing when to hold on to too long can be detrimental, mm. but it can also be very good, like in the video and DocuSign. So it's very hard to gauge how long to hold on to a stock. But you just got to be grateful. When you make profit, just be content with that. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you just, the learning process. So every stock I go into, I learn something new. It's like life. Okay. That's that makes that make, that makes a lot of sense. And just sorry, last just 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 a last thing on on at this top pitch. So after you've also called, you know, done your done your research on on like the Google Trends and and speaking to people and and looking on YouTube, which are by the way, it, it's amazing how you think like that. Honestly, that like, so when you go when you go through those things, do you then look at what's it called the technicals and the fundamentals, or is it just either one? Uh, so the fundamentals would be like the whole YouTube and yeah. stuff like that for me. Um, in terms of the technicals, what it depends. So the fundamentals, like ratios and stuff like that, and the statement analysis, I'm not too, um, I'm not that invested in that because I do more short-term trades. I try to catch big jumps in the stock price okay. um, due to events like the coronavirus. So it's created a lot of opportunities. But um, I'm definitely working on statement analysis. Like I said, I'm learning as well as we go through. Yeah. Um, but the technicals is very important to have, definitely. Um, at the moment and going forward so that's what i'm working on myself but the fundamentals is where i'd say i'm the best at at the moment okay okay that's 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 amazing that's 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 quality okay so with then moving on then um so obviously trayvon um you're you know you're uh a man of color like us you know ethnic minority um so we wanted to know like navigating the industry as a black man um, even like even whether it be at a st- um, in the stands uh, as living a Leicester or in the corporate world, you know, in 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 these firms, um, have you faced any challenges? And if so, like how have you overcome them? Okay, this is an interesting question. Uh, you know, <laughs> with I'd say very cautiously. You know, it's one of them things where once you experience something all the times, you get paranoid sometimes. What what what's the reason for this, right? So it's it's hard. It's very hard, especially when, uh, like in the stand managing, I'm like the only black person 
um, at, at a lot of these banks and hedge funds, there's no black people at all, like not wow. one black person. So it's a bit, um, you stand out essentially. Can I say I've experienced any type of racism so far? Personally, no. Um, but you know what's interesting? My uni sent out like a statement about George Floyd talking about um, how it could affect the black people's mental health and all that stuff. What's interesting, I was recounting all the racist incidents, but I didn't even realize that that brought it all up. You get <laughs> so it was very, it's it's very it makes it's very makes. I think going into the industry, I'm very cautious, very cautious. Um, mm. I was watching the legal and general portfolio manager, uh, Justin. He like. 13 or 14 black portfolio managers in the in the country. Um, oh, and he wow. talks about how change is needed, right? And mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, but I feel like some companies, it becomes more of a, like, a PR. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, 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 yeah. yes. I feel like, like if, if you want change, then stop the talk and just create some action, right? Yes, yes, and yes, yes. I feel like this is one of the things where, because it's a relevant topic, it's relevant for them to make some sort of statement or something, but long term, I'm not too sure how it will all plan out. To be honest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I feel as if that, like you said, like a lot of these trends, whatever, everyone's you know in it for the trend. Mm. But then when 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 the trend pa- when when it passes and it's not really cool to do it anymore, people yeah. don't really care and it's not really organic. But like you said, like you said, you know, um, a change is needed and. I was watching what's it called? I was my, my sister um you know prescribed me there's this, I think it's a podcast, a girl named Toya. She she works in the industry, in the corporate industry, and she was telling her about how you know there's a lot of microaggressions and whatnot, which is something I still need to watch. But I feel as if that we need to we need to not be ignorant to these things and not be afraid to pull people up on on, on incidents, you get what I'm saying? And not not be so what's it called, so in bondage to, to these great opportunities in the sense that we start to we neglect our respectability and we let people disrespect us for the sake of staying in the job or whatnot or the fear of losing the job if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. I feel what's it called. I feel as, I feel as if that um yeah that, that that's how I feel. And even like there was even something that I wanted to ask you that I've been telling Carlos like I, I, I noticed on your profile picture that you have braids and yeah I really like if you know how much I, I like I was like yeah nah this guy is my guy he's my guy because <laughs> because honestly I feel as if that I feel that's I feel as if you know how you know you know the the stigma behind it the stigma behind um you know braids and dreads you know in 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 a corporate industry as well yeah. and for you to do that honestly I, I I hold my hats up to you because that's something that I stand by as well like just being unapologetically you you know and yeah. I feel as if I feel as if you doing that honestly is is a stand for itself and and you speak for itself so. Yeah, big up you on that, man. Big up you on that. Honestly. And it, look, it looks nice as well. It looks nice as well, by the way. It looks nice as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because my mentor, he actually asked me about it. He's a black guy. And he was, he was telling me about how uh, he, when he was working at Barclays, a young kid, he had dread. And he like, they had a discussion about it. And and just uh, like just a general discussion. because And that's what's important, having somebody who's uh, senior and somebody who looks like you who's senior. And that's the... That's what kind of made him feel comfortable to carry on wearing his dreads and such forth because he felt he felt he had somebody he could talk to. So I think that's very important in the industry. 100%. But um, yeah, I said, you know what? Let me wear my dreads and see what I'm on. Come on, you, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A little follow up on that. Um, so do you think 
ethnic minorities that are already in industry, do you think they're doing enough themselves to kind of help others and send the ladder back down to, you know, us, the upcoming generations? Uh, you know what's funny? So uh, I've got a mentor from the Bank of England, uh, Jennifer, and she's like the head of the data and statistics division. And it's about like, 150 of them. And she's like, um, she's a black lady. And like, just watching her, like, it's very inspiring. Like, the way she carries herself, um, very honest. And I think that's what you need sometimes. Um, like, I think some some people won't really tell me what I need to know. She'll definitely tell me what I need to know. And I think you get a different affinity with somebody who looks like you. Let's be honest. Like, let me give you an example of JP Morgan. And this is what kind of... Uh, see, this is multifaceted. So JP Morgan, I remember I was at JP Morgan, and it was me. This is for the Spring Week. Uh, a Nordic guy. Um, and, uh, like, a, a VP, a vice president of Nordic sales. So them two started talking... And they had like a, they knew each other's languages. They knew like cities. They knew all that. So I kind of felt like, a bit like I was intruding in their conversation, right? So when <laughs> I, I can't blame them because when you meet somebody who comes from where you are, knows your language, you, you create a different kind of connection, right? And yes, and like that's why it was so funny because I just read an article about how a lot of these bankers, black bankers, leave at VP or below. Uh, because there's not that representation at the ED or MD level, so it's Ooh. it's really hard. I wouldn't, you know, it's it's not something that I'm like I'm upset about because like if you meet somebody like you, then and you've got the same personal interests, you've got the same cultural interests, then you you've got a different kind of connection that predates and predetermines um, like the actual work role. So you've got a different yes. kind of yes. connections, and people like to see. Um, people like who remind them of themselves do well because you mirror yourself in certain people. Yeah. So when you got a guy who who talks like you, looks like you, comes from the same place as you, you kind of like wait. That was me one day. Let me let me see what I can do there. So I can't yeah. be. Um, I'm not. It's not someone come like upset about in terms of their connection because it's just it's just an actual thing. But it kind of made me uh, feel a bit like a sore thumb. Um. And that was something that was a bit... That's why I took Barclays. Because Barclays, I felt like I made a better connection with some of the people there. Um, whereas from um, JP, that instance kind of made me feel a bit uneasy. Honestly, it's so important. You know, there's a lot of factors to accepting, what's it called, like a, maybe a job offer, like an internship offer, as opposed to just... Just, just the, you know, the role itself, or how big the bank is, how much money you're getting paid. There's so, so many facets to consider, and yeah, that's. But that's, I will say so the thing that JP has done, um, JP, when it has its black talent, I don't know if you've heard the T account. No, so no. She's JP have created a, an advance in black leaders, and yeah. she's the head. Of oh that, yes, and she's yes. The, um, the head of that. Um, entity within the organization and what they do is they put their black they put their black employees at the forefront so like let's say we went to a black leaders day everybody like every black undergrad student knows temi um like from, who wants to who wanted to go into banking knows temi and every black student knows um uh i think it's alexis who does um she's the only black uh female um associate ib in consumer retail so she's definitely um, changing the, the the system. 
in terms of uh, diversity. Uh, and a lot of these, a lot of the black women are worried. They idolize her because of what she's done, where she is. So because mm. JP Morgan, in terms of black leaders and all their events, they've been proactive rather than reactive to this whole George Floyd and all of this. Yes, they're yes, now, yes. They're, they're now reaping the rewards because now a lot of the top black talent has chosen to go to JP because they've seen the Temis do well, the Alexis's do well. So that's what JP has. Um, they've kind of been the first mover in it. And, and they will, they are attracting a lot of black talent. Whereas the banks who are trying to just, I'm not saying they are, but I'm just saying banks who it's more of a whim, then I don't think they'll latch onto the top talent. They'll more get who's available, who's willing to go onto these programs. I feel like it needs to be a long-term shift. Um, and if the industry doesn't want to shift, then it doesn't matter if um, if it doesn't matter if there's like. So back to your question, you were talking about are black people doing enough? There's not a lot of black people within the industry. So unless we have allies in other races, like uh, my mentor, like uh, somebody I consider a mentor, Chris Deasley, um, he's a, a white male, but he has been very supportive. So I think the industry as a whole, they need to support the movement. Mm. It can't yes. just be. Uh, yeah. So, like, so definitely uh, hopefully hopefully that can happen and as we get older we see some uh, change 100% 100% and even even before we like we close up that 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 change that like, as much as as much as we like oh are other people doing enough it starts with us you know it starts with us it starts with uh, us us you know um you know moving initiatives joining initiatives start initiatives to help to help um, us as a people, you know, mm. grow and and grow up the ladder. Do you get what I'm saying? It's a, it's it's easy it's easy um, to say, oh, they're not doing enough or whatever. But we're never too young, you know. You know, we're never too young. You know, people have done stuff at younger ages than us um, to make change. So it starts with a it's a mindset thing as well. It's a mindset thing, you know. Once we think, once we once because we, we are good enough, you know, mm. we are good enough. Everyone, every, every, it's not about about skin color. It's not about what you have, you know, inside, and we're all good enough. You know, we're all good enough. Mm. And it's it's once we start thinking that we're good enough that we're that that that's the first step for us, you know, because if, if we don't feel we're good enough, we're not gonna we're not gonna accelerate or ascend to anywhere. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I feel feel it's just about it, it's it's equally important as well. Okay, cool. So um just to just to end on it, you know, um you've given us a lot of nuggets. So we wanna know like we wanna know more about you in terms of like what the what the future holds for you. So, you know, you're in your early stages now of your career, you know, you've got an internship coming up next 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 week. Um good luck with that. So yeah, what does the future hold for you? You know, what does the future hold for you in terms of yeah, where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in the in the coming years? Uh, so uh you know the the aim is I, I wanna be a portfolio manager at a uh, a hedge fund focusing on okay. uh, long short equities, right? And that's like um not that's my bottom aim, but that's like something that I'm hoping to be. In terms of aspirations, aspirations, I'd love to have my own hedge fund one day doing long short. Wow. Uh, wow. And at the wow. moment, we joke about it, to be honest, uh, like with other people. I think I've got a big connection of people from uh, disadvantaged areas who have come into banking. You kind of create an affinity with them because they're, they're, they're first-time generation university students. They're first-time. So you, you've already got that connection in terms of the areas you both come from. Yeah. And we joke about it, but uh, I used to dream about going into banking. So, like, turning dreams to, into reality is a real concept for me. So looking at mm. something like my own hedge fund, and then, like, my proper, like, the proper one is uh, I'd love to be the governor of the Bank of England. So I did an internship with the Bank of England. 
And I really okay. enjoyed speaking to the uh, the NPCs. So they're the Monetary Policy Committee who set interest rates. So I got to speak to um, um, Dave Ramsden um, and members of the committee. And it was really interesting to get their perspective on life. And I'm definitely looking at where they started, especially like Mark Carney, um, his career path, and then currently Andrew Bailey, who sits as the governor, uh, looking at how they've traversed through their career to get to where they are. So I'm trying to lay the foundations as I go along from a young age. Yeah, 